1: Tonight, the hunt for a suspected killer.
2: We are urging the public
1: to look carefully at these images. The new images police want you to see to help arrest two suspects in a North Vancouver gang shooting. Plus terror in Nanaimo. It was the scariest thing. Teen sisters pepper sprayed. I could not see. I could not even barely move. In a home invasion. And stopping
3: the switch. Some people hate it, but it doesn't really matter to me.
1: YBC is one step closer to never having to change the clocks again.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six. Good evening. Thanks for joining
1: us. I'm Colleen Christie. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. There are new developments in a brazen daylight killing in North Vancouver. A car found on a residential street has now been linked to the shooting of a gangster at the Superstore parking lot on Friday. iHit has released photos of two suspects and is hoping someone saw something that will help them make an arrest. Catherine Urquhart reports. Newly released
5: surveillance video shows two murder suspects connected to a brazen fatal shooting last week in North Vancouver. Police are hoping this will lead to tips in the case and possibly arrests. We are urging the public to look carefully at these images and video in in order to assist IHIT investigators to identify these individuals. Friday afternoon in the Real Canadian Superstore parking lot, 34-year-old gangster Malad Rahimi was shot multiple times and died. The stunning daytime murder prompted a major investigation.
6: It's incredibly concerning. I mean, this is a this is a neighborhood grocery store. North Vancouver is is a, is a community of families. Uh, we have people who use this grocery store every day to buy their food for their for their children.
5: A dark blue Mazda 3 was identified as the getaway vehicle. Saturday night, it was discovered on fire in the 300 block of Tempe Crescent in North Vancouver. A witness told Global News it had been there since Friday and someone had returned the following day to torch it. I had investigators are asking for any witnesses, dash cam or CCV footage in the area from Friday, March 11th, 2022 between 2.30pm and 3.30pm, as well as from March 12, 2022, between 6.30pm and 7.30pm. One suspect was wearing a black hoodie, grey pants and black shoes. He had on a medical mask and was carrying a grey backpack. The second suspect was wearing a three-quarter length hooded black jacket with a white symbol on the left shoulder. They were also wearing grey pants
1: and black shoes. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The man charged in a Vancouver gang shooting that left two dead, including an innocent teenager, made his first court appearance today. 26-year-old Kane Carter was arrested for the 2018 incident last week. As Amadagahi explains, for now, he'll remain behind
7: bars. Via two-way video, Kane Carter appeared before a provincial court judge in Vancouver Tuesday, the 26-year-old arrested last week in Ontario is in police custody, facing multiple serious charges. Carter is charged with two counts of second-degree murder, dating back to a horrible incident on January 13, 2018. Two people killed in a gang shootout in the streets of Vancouver's Mount Pleasant neighborhood a gangster and the believed target of the shooting, Kevin Whiteside, and an innocent teenager, Alfred Wong, who was hit by a stray bullet in the backseat of his parents' car. He's just like an angel. He was my student. so Of course, it's very important for me to attend his funeral. In the weeks that followed, hundreds mourned the death of the 15-year-old, whose family even spoke publicly during a police appeal for more information. My parents and I will always love him dearly. And his death will leave a void in our hearts. More than four years of investigation. And last week, Vancouver police announced the arrest of Kane Carter, who police say is also charged with aggravated assault for shooting a third person and discharging a firearm with the intent to injure.
3: This was a long and complex investigation, which took some of VPD's most experienced homicide investigators to secure and gather evidence. These investigators interviewed hundreds of witnesses and processed thousands of exhibits.
7: Carter's lawyer asked the judge for more time before a bail hearing could take place. It was granted. Tuesday's quick adjournment means that Kane Carter will remain in custody and his new bail hearing in relation to this charge is now scheduled for April 6th. Amadagahi, Global News.
1: Surrey RCMP are asking for the public's help in identifying two men they say robbed a bank in Fleetwood. It happened just after 4.30 last Wednesday afternoon at a bank on Fraser Highway near 160th Street. Police say the two men threatened bank staff with a suspected firearm and were able to get away with a large amount of cash. The suspects are both described as white. They had their faces covered with masks, but it's estimated the suspect in red is between 20 and 30 years old. Anyone with information is asked to call Surrey RCMP. Two Nanaimo sisters are recovering after a stranger walked into their home and bear sprayed them. The teens were home alone, and at first they believed someone was playing a prank. As Kylie Stanton reports, the girl's mother is pleading for the suspect to do the right thing and turn himself in.
2: All the comfort food in the world can't erase what happened. But at this point, Veva Lee will try anything.
8: I felt so powerless. I think that's like the worst feeling as a mom.
2: On Monday afternoon, her two teenage daughters were enjoying their first day of spring break, watching a movie at home here in the 5200 block of Lost Lake Road, when an intruder confronted them. It was just the scariest thing. All I could see was his eyes. And he lunged forward to my sister to grab her laptop from her lap.
9: All of a sudden, all I could see was... Just black.
2: The girls who don't want to be identified were both hit with a blast of bear spray, one of them swallowing a mouthful as she tried to scream. Your whole body is burning. There's nothing that you can do to stop it. And then I couldn't really move. I was just frozen. I tried, I kept on telling myself to move, to move. And then the thing that stamped me out of it was my sister screaming at me to run. The sisters ran through the forest barefoot, managing to make it to a neighbor's house. Their first call, 911. Their second, their mother, who rushed to the scene.
8: It was like out of a movie. Like, it's not something that ever you think will happen to you or your kids.
2: They were treated by paramedics while police tried to locate the suspect. But so far, they've been unsuccessful.
10: The only information we have at this point is the individual had a balaclava on and he was dressed in camouflage clothing. So we're asking the public, primarily people living in that area, if they have video surveillance or they have a dash cam video
4: to provide it to the police. You can't get
0: away
10: with it.
2: The family is hoping the suspect does the right thing and turns himself in.
8: It's a violent assault on two kids. (laughs)
2: would go a long way in helping the sisters process the ordeal, what's proving to be more of a challenge with every passing day. I just hope he knows, like, the trauma that he has passed on to me and my sister. I really hope that he knows. I really, really hope that he knows. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
1: RCMP have released a sketch of a man who was allegedly exposing himself near a Newton school. On March 2nd, police received a report of a man touching himself near Prince Margaret Elementary. Secondary, rather. Police say the same suspect is believed to have done this on several occasions. He's described as South Asian, between 30 and 40 years old, stands about 5'10", and has an average build. Anyone who recognizes the suspect is asked to contact Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. An appeal by the Vancouver Police Board has added $5.7 million to its budget. Now the city of Vancouver has to come up with that money, which has many wondering how they'll do it. But as Ted Chernecki reports, that bump up is just a fraction of the total policing budget.
4: The way police forces spend multi-million dollar budgets has come under increasing scrutiny, especially after the Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd in May 2020. Just ten days later, police in Edmondson, New Brunswick, conducted a wellness check on a BC First Nations member. She refused to drop a steak knife in her hand, and police responded by firing four shots that killed 26-year-old Chantelle Moore.
5: We need other resources where we're not sending in police to do wellness checks on our people, because I find that it's not benefiting our people. We're losing more people than we are helping, and it has to stop.
4: In 2021, with the pandemic well underway and city revenue uncertain, Vancouver voted to reduce its policing budget by $5.7 million. The police board pushed back, appealed, and won, with the provincial government, only this week, ordering the city to pay it back.
11: Yeah, $5.7 million is about uh, equivalent of almost a 1% property tax uh, increase, so about 0.6%. of uh, So that, um, that uh, debate will be had by the next council. Vancouver spends over
4: a million dollars a day in policing, 21% of its entire operating budget. The police successfully argued that the cut came at a time of increased COVID-related hate crimes. Numerous break-and-enters in Vancouver. But critics argued many cases don't warrant a police response.
11: For those folks that have mental health and addiction issues that are arrested over and over and over again, that's not the solution. I know Chief Palmer agrees with that. We need proper mental health and addictions. Care for them. Perhaps the bigger question is political. How do
4: democratically elected councillors get strong-armed by a provincial government that overrides a city's decision?
11: One thing that I've asked the province to do and which they're doing is is to take a look at the Police Act. Uh, and we know there's recommendations coming forward.
4: There are provisions in the Police Act to protect police boards from political interference, but the mayor wants those reforms by this fall. Ted Czernicki, Global News.
1: After three years of labor peace, the stage is being set for a potential confrontation between more than 300,000 unionized workers and the provincial government. Keith Baldry joins us with more. And Keith, there are nearly 200 contracts set to expire at a time when the public
11: purse is hardly full. Indeed. It's going to be a very interesting bargaining year. So, so many of those contracts expire at the end of March. That's the end of the fiscal year. And the numbers and the financial implication is potentially staggering for taxpayers. Take a look at the numbers. 393,000 unionized employees are covered under this uh, mandate. That's a 1% wage increase right across the board for everyone it equates to $311 million cost to the provincial treasury. One factor that hasn't been in play for a long time is inflation. That could really uh, complicate things at the negotiating table. Now, now, as I mentioned, March 31st is the end of all the contracts. The exception is the BC Teachers Federation which expires at the end of the school year uh, and they began talks today. It's always been a bit of a rocky road with VCTF and the provincial government, but the, the the fact that the contract is not expiring until the end of the school year means no job action during the current school year. In terms of the dollars we're talking about, a 3% wage increase right across the board is about $5.5 billion. A 4% wage increase each year over three years is about seven and a half billion, and five 5% And again, some unions are going to be arguing that's the inflation rate. That's almost $10 billion over three years, a huge amount of money. Good thing the budget right here has about $10 billion in unallocated contingency funds, but that money is also used to fight forest fires, deal with floods and other climate events. So it's going to be a very tricky challenge for both sides to achieve agreement in a timely fashion when so many people are at the bargaining table.
1: No kidding. All right. Thanks for that. Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe says it's been a tough couple of days after a pickup truck registered to him was impounded in downtown Vancouver. Police say just before 1 o'clock last Thursday morning, they stopped a 28-year-old man with a Saskatchewan driver's license at Robson & Burrard after the driver allegedly ran a red light. Police say he failed a roadside sobriety test and was issued an automatic 90-day driving suspension mo wasn't in the legislature on monday but was back today and asked the media to respect his privacy
12: this is a, a time uh, like we all have uh, been called on from time to time to provide support for a friend or a family member uh, this is my time um, and i'm providing that
1: mo offered no details and declined to comment on why his truck was in bc or who was driving it the chevy silverado was impounded for 30 days B.C. Premier John Horgan says he hoped Sunday was the last time we would all have to spring forward. Well, now the U.S. Senate has voted to make daylight savings time permanent. Could this be the beginning of the end of time changes for us? What leaders in this province are saying in just over a minute. Why, B.C.'s newest multimillionaires may be even more surprised at winning than you think. And the huge honour Dolly Parton is turning down. Those stories later on the Hour. The U.S. Senate is taking steps to end seasonal time changes and has passed a bill to make daylight savings time permanent. B.C. passed similar legislation back in 2019. But as Richard Sussman explains, B.C. won't spring forward with anything permanent until our southern neighbours do so as well.
3: When it comes to changing time, things have taken time. But now it may finally be the time. If we can get this passed, we don't have to keep doing this stupidity anymore. And uh, why we would enshrine this in our laws and keep it for so long is beyond me. The Senate in the United States unanimously and surprisingly passing the Sunshine Act, the first step to making daylight saving time permanent in the United States and making seasonal time changes a thing of the past here in B.C. as well.
2: I don't get too excited anymore because the la- I have been excited when I've heard Mr. Horgan say 2020 was going to be the last time change.
3: The premier and the B.C. government oh. has legislation in place right now to immediately switch to permit DST. But John Horgan has said time and time again, the change would only happen if Washington State does it as well.
4: We heard loud and clear, not just from the business community, but from British Columbians, that it made sense to be in line, uh, or aligned rather, with our southern neighbours. The main
3: issue with permanent DST is how dark it would be on those December mornings. In Vancouver last December, the sun rose between 7.45 and 8.07 a.m., with sunsets around 4.15 p.m. Permanent DST would mean walks to school in the dark with sunrises between 8.45 and 9.07 a.m., but sunsets between 5.14 and 5.22 p.m.
13: As long as we switch to the brighter time, that would be fine. I, some people hate it, but it
6: doesn't really matter to me. It's nice to wake up and, you know, not have the sunshine in and get out of work and the sun's still up.
3: The House of Representatives now on the clock. A time frame of 2023 to make the change. Whether they actually approve it and push B.C. forward, well, in that case, only time will tell. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: B.C. and Washington State are working together to address the Nooksack River flooding issues. The flooding of the Nooksack contributed to the catastrophic flooding in the Fraser Valley surrounding Abbotsford this past fall. John Horgan and Washington Governor Jay Inslee issued a joint statement saying they'll work together to address the Nooksack River flooding prevention and response. Flooding of the Nooksack has been a long-standing issue. Officials say they'll work with indigenous and local governments to develop a work plan. It's an attempt to find long-term sustainable solutions to extreme weather issues. An historic and emotional address in Parliament today.
14: Can you imagine famous CN Tower in Toronto? If, they, if it was hit by Russian bombs.
1: The response to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's request of Canada. And Kyiv under a 35 hour curfew as Russia continues to pummel the country. Stay with us. Good evening and good news. Traffic is starting to ease
5: off over here at the Massey Tunnel after clearing an earlier crash in the counterflow lane. Northbound traffic is still slow from south of Highway 17A on the approach. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Wilson in the Global Traffic Center.
3: Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online.
1: As Russian forces continue to focus heavy artillery and cruise missile strikes at civilian targets across Ukraine, the war-torn country's president spoke directly to Canadian MPs in Ottawa. Volodymyr Zelensky once again called on NATO to establish a no-fly zone over his country. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, that action remains a non-starter for the alliance.
12: As the shells continue to fall... People are pulled from the wreckage of their homes in Kharkiv, an apartment building blown apart by Russian airstrikes. Survivors still trying to understand why this is happening. This woman calls Putin a monster. People are starving. There's no water, no wood for heating. As the war rages on, the Ukrainian president addressed Canadian politicians Tuesday. In the House of Commons, Volodymyr Zelensky painting a visceral picture of what's happening inside his country.
14: Can you imagine famous CN Tower in Toronto, if if it was hit by
12: Russian bombs? Zelensky, too, repeating his pleas for more Canadian support in Ukraine, asking NATO allies to enforce a no-fly zone over his country.
14: Stop the bombing. How many more cruise missiles have to fall on our cities
12: until you make this happen something nato won't do he's asking us to go to war with russia
6: we shouldn't have any pretense that if we were to put any nato or canadian uh, air personnel or troops on the ground into ukraine that russia would think that we were anything there other than an
12: aggressor meanwhile more airstrikes in central Kiev. civilians continue to be the targets of russian missiles
2: Right now, everyone is angry. I talk to the people. They
12: don't want to leave. In besieged Mariupol, an estimated 2,000 vehicles were allowed to leave Tuesday, but Russians still won't allow humanitarian aid in for those who remain behind. Talks between Russia and Ukraine slated to continue on Wednesday. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: And we have some breaking news. Global News has learned Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will join NATO heads of government, including U.S. President Joe Biden, at a special summit of NATO leaders to discuss the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The meeting will be held in Brussels, March 24th. An SFU professor living in Ukraine is somehow managing to remotely teach a graduate seminar class despite
8: the invasion of her country. I actually told them that if there is a siren... I probably will need to close my computer and leave. Svetlana
1: Matvienko returned home to Ukraine last year to look after her aging parents and has been teaching classes remotely. Since the Russian invasion, she's been able to continue that instruction, except when she is forced to take shelter. Well, now, even though living conditions are getting worse and Internet connections are becoming less reliable, Matvienko says she plans to stay put.
8: It's quite hard to imagine leaving my parents even though they asked me to to, to do so and my mom actually made me cry already several times because uh, once in a while she starts this conversation saying that she is so sorry that I have to be here and this kind of to hear this is quite unbearable and I'm telling her that they are just one reason but there are some other reasons because I do feel I am useful here. I do feel like I can actually tell a lot to people in Canada or everywhere.
1: So far, Matvienko's town hasn't been bombed or shelled, and she has become a, it has become a gathering point for tens of thousands of refugees from all across Ukraine. An emotional reunion this morning at Kelowna International Airport. A local man was reunited with his sister and two nephews who fled war-torn Ukraine all of them breathing a huge sigh of relief to be out of harm's way. But as Claudia van Emmerich reports, they're worried sick about those left behind. With a Ukrainian
15: flag and flowers in hand, Nazari Pavlina is about to reunite with his sister and two nephews, the trio among the millions fleeing their war-ravaged country.
14: I can't wait. just, Just want to see them.
15: And at 9.55 Tuesday morning at Kelowna International Airport, he got to do just that, see them and hug them after their terrifying ordeal back home.
14: I don't have words, you know, it's so nice.
15: The sentiment echoed by Nadia Novosad and her two sons, grateful to be safe on Canadian
14: soil.
9: I feel it's good, it's very safe safe
14: for me. Yeah, I feel good, a lot of people are very... Good, very. To Friendly. Friendly. Friendly.
15: The families from the western city of Lviv, their home now being used to shelter refugees from the east, where the heaviest bombardment is taking place. They fled the day Russia invaded the country back on February 24th.
14: She said, we left everything house, many stuff.
15: Including her husband and the boy's father as men have been ordered to stay behind and fight for the country
14: I'm very worried about him.
15: You're scared for your dad.
14: Yes. Yes, and my family my grandmother Uncle.
8: Every day, every night, every, every, every minute, I, uh, my heart
2: is uh, in Ukraine.
15: After 48 hours at the Ukrainian-Polish border being processed, the family finally entered Poland, where they would spend the next 20 days. They say a Polish family took them in, housed them, and fed them until they were able to fly to Canada. When asked about all the carnage in her homeland, Nadia struggles to hold back her emotions.
14: Дуже... we have a bad neighbor in Ukraine but we love people we love Russian people we peaceful people you know we don't war fighting don't want fighting we don't want war
15: while the family doesn't know what the coming weeks and months will bring their hope is for a peaceful future with the loved one they left behind hopefully here in canada
14: stay here in canada
15: start a new life
14: yes start a new life because they're now destroyed everything
15: but not their spirit nor their will to survive claude Van global news Kelowna.
1: up next when the pandemic pivot becomes permanent Uh, Retail adaptations will continue to work long into the future. And an Alberta woman's message after her cancer misdiagnosis. Next.
0: This episode
1: is brought to you
0: by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
5: Good evening. After another brutal day on the North Shore, Lionsgate Bridge is almost back to normal. You've got two lanes north and... Sorry, excuse Excuse me. Two lanes south and one north, and a bit of a lineup off the Cloverleaf out of north and west Vancouver. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
1: Here's a look at the latest COVID-19 numbers for BC. We have 345 people in hospital. 50 of those patients are in the ICU, including one person under the age of 20. We have no new COVID-related deaths recorded in the last 24 hours. And we have 237 new confirmed cases. The old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, may be especially true after the last two years. The pandemic turned many businesses upside down, forcing them to pivot to survive. And now those lessons are serving them well. Ian Duthie reports.
6: Our business flipped completely upside down when pandemic hit. With their banquet hall and restaurant closed down, local and fresh had to scale up the delivery service for their grocery market for the business to survive. We went from doing like 10 to 15 deliveries a week to 75 deliveries a day overnight. Tim Schultz had to upgrade to new software, hire new drivers and change his entire workflow to stay available to his supportive customers. It was extremely stressful. Like um, I I still remember probably the first like three weeks, uh, my wife and I were basically living here. Like we just, we would would be here from six in the morning until midnight for like three weeks straight. Meanwhile, one of their tenants, Carly Rayway, had just quit her stable full-time job to launch her own business the week the pandemic hit in March of 2020, leaving her scrambling to get an online store up and running to start a delivery service for her shop.
2: Whenever someone wanted something, we were making ourselves available. Um, just because as a new business, like we kind of had to make that service. like It was huge you know, to get our name out there.
6: Two years later, the alternative is still up and running with a lot of lessons learned.
2: Take one day at a time, one week at a time. You're constantly pivoting, so it definitely teaches you a lot. Um, you know, never to get too comfortable because you don't know what tomorrow brings. So definitely taught us a lot and I'm thankful of that for sure.
6: Schultz believes he has come out of the pandemic stronger and the curbside and delivery services will now continue past the pandemic. Our vision is to make local foods accessible to the community and so we we understand that not all the community can come in um, and shop in person and we want to provide that opportunity for them to access the great local products that are available here. Ian Duffy, Global News.
1: The U.S. CDC has lowered its COVID warnings for cruise ships. The travel health notice has been lowered to level two, considered moderate risk for COVID-19. The CDC continues to urge passengers to get the recommended COVID vaccines and that cruise ship travel should be avoided by anyone whose vaccines aren't up to date. Wearing a mask during the cruise when outside the cabin or in crowded settings is still recommended. Cruise ships return to B.C. in early April. An Alberta mother of two has been diagnosed with terminal cancer that spread from her lungs to her brain. As Global Suling Go reports,
9: because she wasn't a smoker, doctors never suspected it. And now she has a message for others. Kelsey Terrio was seven months pregnant when she found out she has lung cancer. She feels it should have been caught much earlier. I expressed concerns about my breathing, about my respiratory state, about my hoarseness, my loss of voice. I had signs. Those symptoms, plus a cough, went on for months. It wasn't until she noticed a lump in her neck last fall that Kelsey was screened for cancer. She was told it was stage 4 and had spread from her lungs to her lymph nodes to her brain. And I've never smoked a day in my life. No smoking product, no secondhand smoke. Um, I had no risk factors. And that's the problem. Kelsey suspects if she had a history of tobacco use and was older, her diagnosis might have come sooner.
10: Hearing about this scenario is very sad and unfortunately um, more common than one might think.
9: Lung Cancer Canada's Tim Mons says 65% of all new lung cancer diagnoses in the U.S. are among people who never smoked. Many are young women.
10: We need more awareness We need to push for CT scans for anybody, everybody. We need the medical world to understand that if you have a lung,
6: you can get lung cancer.
9: Kelsey had to deliver her baby four weeks early so she could start aggressive cancer treatments. She now has six brain tumors and possibly months left to live. She worries about her boys, Cameron and Callan. That's the only thing that gets me choked up. It's not the cancer, it's... um... It's not the cancer for me, it's the cancer for them. Last year our whole world changed. The 31-year-old wrote this song for her husband, Paul, and hired a singer to perform it. Kelsey can't sing anymore, but hopes her message will be heard before it's too late for someone else. I just hope that maybe there's one person out there who sees this or hears this or shares it with someone they care about and they get diagnosed sooner. Sulingo, Global News.
1: Up next, some happy news. BC's latest big lottery winners share their plans. Plus, hear why Dolly Parton is bowing out from a big honour. And thrift shopping has never been more popular. Now the move to keep it that way. Stay with us. Two family members from Chilliwack are B.C.'s newest multi-millionaires. John and Travis, an uncle and nephew team, and they'd only been splitting Lotto 649 tickets for the last three weeks. Their third ticket draw last Wednesday was the lucky one. They took home a check for more than $8 million.
10: Uh, I was yeah. having my morning coffee and Travis was at work. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So actually the, the first person to find out was my... My little brother, he calls up and he says, hey John, I won 11,000 bucks at uh, at the casino last night. I said, well, I think I can do you one better. <laughs> I won a million.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. They both say they'll use their winnings for new vehicles and to buy new homes. Good for them. All right, Yvonne, uh, you've got a bit of a, a winning photo behind you there.
13: It's gorgeous out oh. there. It was a bit of a mixed bag today, yeah. depending on where you were, but a stunning tower camp just overlooking English Bay this evening, a sunset this evening closer to 730. Temperatures are sitting at 9 right now. We've got a southeasterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour, but there's still some instability, but we will see that. Chance for some showers. We've got a pocket there into the Fraser Valley, and that'll be the weather story that will follow overnight and in towards tomorrow morning. We can see that across the island, and we've had a lot of instability through the day today with the risk of thunderstorms still for the southern interior, the early evening hours. And if you're traveling along the mountain passes, we actually have a fair bit of snow uh, for higher elevations with an additional five and ten centimeters still possible for tonight. Now, for tomorrow, I'm hoping to see a few breaks in there, but we'll hang on to that chance for some showers. Temperatures will climb up to 11 degrees. The next Next weathermaker that is going to move in late tomorrow evening is going to bring rain and heavy at times. We can see that in the future cast, so there's that break. But by tomorrow evening, it'll be late, and then by Thursday, anticipate a soggy one with periods of rain on Thursday and a similar weather picture for our Friday. The northern half of the province on and off showers along the coast, temperatures ranging between 6 and 7 degrees, some sunshine in the mix for the northeastern corners of the province. It'll be pleasant for the central interior with dry conditions, but it's the Columbia and Kootenai for the early morning hours could still see a few isolated flurries and then changing over to a chance for some showers. A break, though, for the southern interior near the tops in Okanagan. Highs into the double digits and teens and areas near Whistler will still see that chance for some showers and highs up to 7 degrees. So overnight and for tomorrow it's a 40% chance of a shower. The heavier rain is really going to move in, so a heads up. That'll be Wednesday night, likely taking us in towards our Thursday for St. Patrick's Day and then on and off rainfall and heavy at times as we get in towards the weekend so far. Another gorgeous shot. This one was captured on Sunday early morning of the Northern Lights in Kitimat. So thank you so much, Kelly. Colleen? Wow, that is Fantastic. Gorgeous.
1: Uh, Listen, Dolly Parton has turned down her Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination. The 76-year-old icon, yes, 76, was being considered alongside other artists, including Eminem, Duran Duran, and Lionel Richie, to name just a few. In a statement, she says graciously that she simply doesn't deserve the honor. Even though I am extremely flattered to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't feel that I have earned that right. I really do not want the vote split because of me, so I must respectfully bow out. She goes on to say that it has inspired her to maybe make a rock and roll album that is worthy in the future. (laughs) You know, Squire, I wouldn't put it past her.
10: What was that old song Now, this is going way back. I'm a little bit country, and I'm a little bit rock and roll.
1: Well, yeah, Donnie and Marie. Yes.
10: So she was too much country. That's what she thinks. She thinks thinks
1: she's too much country. I disagree. She should just... She's such an amazing songwriter.
10: She She is a great songwriter. People, well, they know that, but they don't think about her as a great songwriter. But check out what she's written. She is brilliant. No kidding. Okay. So it's the Canucks and Devils tonight at Rogers Arena with Elias Patterson sitting out again because of an upper body injury.
11: I know he's had trouble uh, in the past
13: there with a a big time injury but you know I don't think this is anything serious at all. So
10: the Canucks have called up Nick Batan from the farm team in Abbotsford to take T.D.'s place tonight.
1: And still to come a new trend in thrift store shopping designed to stop resellers from getting all the scoops. Two family members from Chilliwack are B.C.'s newest multi-millionaires. John and Travis, an uncle and nephew team, and they'd only been splitting Lotto 649 tickets for the last three weeks. Their third ticket draw last Wednesday was the lucky one. They took home a check for more than $8 million.
10: Uh, I was yeah. having my morning coffee and Travis was at work. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So actually the, the first person to find out was my... My little brother he calls up and he says, "Hey, John, I won eleven thousand bucks at uh, at the casino last night." I says, "Well,
6: I think I can do you one better. <laughs> I won eight million."
1: <laughs> That's amazing. They both say they'll use their winnings for new vehicles and to buy new homes. Good for them. All right, Yvonne, uh, you've got a bit of a, a winning photo behind you there.
13: It's gorgeous out oh. there. It was a bit of a mixed bag today, yeah. depending on where you were, but a stunning tower cam just overlooking English Bay this evening, a sunset this evening, closer to 730. Temperatures are sitting at 9 right now. We've got a southeasterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour, but there's still some instability. We will see that that chance for some showers. We've got a pocket there into the Fraser Valley, and that'll be the weather story that will follow overnight and in towards tomorrow morning. We can see that across the island, and we've had a lot of instability through the day today with the risk of thunderstorms still for the southern interior, the early evening hours, and if you're traveling along the mountain passes, we actually have a fair bit of snow uh, for higher elevations with an additional 5 and 10 centimeters still possible for tonight. Now, for tomorrow, I'm hoping to see a few breaks in there, but we'll hang on to that chance for some showers. Temperatures will climb up to 11 degrees. The next Weather maker that is going to move in late tomorrow evening is going to bring rain and heavy at times. We can see that on the future cast, so there's that break. But by tomorrow evening it'll be late, and then by Thursday, anticipate a soggy one with periods of rain on Thursday and a similar weather picture for our Friday. The northern half of the province, on and off showers along the coast, temperatures ranging between six and seven degrees, some sunshine in the mix for the northeastern corners of the province. It'll be pleasant for the central interior with dry conditions, but it's the Columbia and Kooteny for the early morning hours. Could still see a few isolated flurries and then changing over to a chance for some showers. A break though for the southern Interior near the tops in Okanagan highs into the double digits and teens, and areas near Whistler will still see that chance for some showers and highs up to seven degrees. So overnight and for tomorrow, it's a 40% chance of a shower. The heavier rain is really going to move in, so a heads up. That'll be Wednesday night, likely taking us in towards our Thursday for St. Patrick's Day, and then on and off rainfall and heavy at times as we get in towards the weekend. So far, another gorgeous shot. This one was captured on Sunday early morning of the Northern Lights in Kitimat. So thank you so much, Kelly. Colleen? Wow, that is. Fantastic.
1: Gorgeous. My. Uh, listen, Dolly Parton has turned down her Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination.
9: Here you come again.
1: The 76-year-old icon, yes, 76, was being considered alongside other artists, including Eminem, Duran Duran, and Lionel Richie, to name just a few. In a statement, she says graciously that she simply doesn't deserve the honor. Even though I am extremely flattered to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't feel that I have earned that right. I really do not want the vote split because of me, so I must respectfully bow out. She goes on to say that it has inspired her to maybe make a rock and roll album that is worthy in the future. (laughs) You know, Squire, I wouldn't put it past her.
10: What was that old song now, this is going way back. I'm a little bit country, and I'm a little bit rock and roll.
1: Well, yeah, Donnie now, and Marie.
10: Yes. So she was too much country. That's she's, what she, she thinks. She thinks
1: she's too much country. I disagree. She should just... She's such an amazing songwriter.
10: She, she is a great songwriter. It. People, well, they know that, but they don't think about her as a great songwriter. But yeah. check out what she's written. She is brilliant. No kidding. Okay, so it's the Canucks and Devils tonight at Rogers Arena with Elias Petterson sitting out again because of an upper body injury.
11: I know he's had trouble uh, in the past there with
13: a a big time injury but you know I don't think this is anything serious at all. So
10: the Gawks have called up Nick Batan from the farm team in Abbotsford to take Petey's place tonight.
1: And still to come a new trend in thrift store shopping designed to stop resellers from getting all the scoops. is growing in popularity. It's economical and it's green. But for some, it's also lucrative for the resale business. And while on the surface it may seem like a win-win, a Calgary thrift store has implemented a new policy that limits the number of items flippers can buy. Global's Carolyn Currie de Castillo explains why.
2: It's not fast fashion.
8: It's not just made. There's not a dozen of everything, the same thing. And It's unique. Cassie Reed describes thrift shopping as a way to help the environment, support charities, and get a great deal. She says her mom's friend is now making a significant amount of money reselling the items she finds at thrift stores.
2: Stuff like Lululemon pants or Lululemon sweaters that they're selling here for baby like 20 bucks and she'll sell them for 40.
8: Thrifting originally when I was a kid we thrifted out of necessity. Sue Gaberi owns 17th Ave Thrift which donates proceeds to local animal shelters. She's noticed an increase in the number of online resellers snapping up the great deals at her shop. It can be very lucrative for some people. But Gaberry says increasing her prices would make items unaffordable for those in need. I want to be able to offer that to, to people that can't afford to go shop at the big malls. Last month, she put a new policy in place. Resellers are being asked to limit their purchases to two items. What I was seeing was some of the resellers and even some of the boutique owners would come in and pick out all the good pieces and, you know, pay for them and leave, which, you know, it's great, you're supporting me, but also it's hurting me in the sense that. You're not leaving anything for the everyday shopper to come in and find that specialty item. A Goodwill spokesperson says resellers help support their mission to help people with disabilities find employment, but...
7: It's really a fine line because... You know, you do have people that want to seek affordability when it comes to certain thrifted items, but then you have people taking advantage of the situation and reselling. But you have to remember, they're also contributing back to the community when they do so.
8: Gaberi says she's had no pushback from the policy and is thankful for the donors and buyers who have helped her raise $50,000 for animal shelters over the past four years. Carolyn Curry, de Castillo, Global News. You can find some pretty
1: good deals Mm -hmm. on used stuff. Yeah. Not a bad idea.
13: Uh... One last look at that forecast? A bit of a break, hopefully oh, okay. for tomorrow, mainly cloudy with the chance of showers. But then the heavier rain is going to really move in, and that'll be for Wednesday night, taking us in towards our St. Patrick's Day so far. It'll be periods of rain, even potentially for Friday, Saturday. That's still a few days out, but it's on and off rainfall and hoping to see a few breaks for tomorrow, but a mild one with temperatures up to 11. Your little leprechaun's going to need an umbrella. Yes, absolutely. Got to add that in there. No <laughs> kidding. All right,
1: thanks for joining <laughs> us. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Good night.